and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest this week is Stuart Pankin, best known for voicing Earl Sinclair on the groundbreaking show Dinosaurs, which is coming to Disney Plus by the end of the year. We talk about that show in depth. I first discovered Stuart on not necessarily the news, HBO's, I think it was their first original series. I mean, back then it was only reruns of Beastmaster and Scavenger Hunt, which Stuart was in. We talk about that movie as well. Stuart was in a bunch of movies as well. He was in Fatal Attraction. And we talk about some of his memorable guest starring TV roles because he had some memorable roles on Freeze the Crowd, Night Court, Barney Miller, you know, just to name a couple. Very talented actor. We talk about what he's been up to during the, the pandemic. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Stuart. So, Stuart, uh, thank you so much for joining me. Um, how uh, have you been keeping busy during the uh, quarantine? Well, um, I'm doing a bunch of uh, Zoom play readings for various people. That helps. Also, transferring pictures, photographs into a computer, CDs into a computer, transferring VHS tapes into CDs. Just doing a little... Doing a lot of clean-up, paint-up, fix-up stuff. Uh, you know, reading, watching television, hanging out with the Palisade uh, softball team. No, that's not true. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it, it's been interesting, uh, to say the least. Uh, what have you been watching yeah, TV-wise? <laughs> well, we, my wife and I watch a lot of uh, British TV shows. Uh, okay. That we enjoy from like Britbox or Amazon. You want titles? I give you titles, but it's you know, Midsummer Murders or The Coroner, The Bench. Lots of uh, Scott and Bailey. Okay. Also some American stuff like Killing Eve and you know stuff. Right. A crazy pastiche of, of, yeah. of garbage. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. I, I just finished Shit's Creek and I thought that was fantastic. Or that I never watched it. Oh yeah, you would enjoy it. Uh, uh, Eugene Le- Levy, Catherine O'Hara. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who they are. Yeah, I, I know you do. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, a great show. But uh, yeah, a little about your career. Um, how how do you yeah, feel? Yeah, you hate people being. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What? No, I, I was. I, I was just gonna... wanted to say about Shit's Creek. I I hated. I don't like to have people funnier than me, and they're funny, so right. I don't want to watch it. Oh okay, yeah. And then you throw Chris Elliott in the show, and then, yeah, so I, I I can understand that, yeah. So, um, how do you feel to to like single handedly cause the ice age? <laughs> now, you know when people talk about dinosaurs, <laughs> uh, that's the thing that they most they're most um, interested in. It was a terrific episode. We just did a, I guess, a thirtieth reunion Zoom. Uh, uh, reunion with, uh, with all the dinosaur people, the producers, right. the behind-the-scenes people, the, the voice people, the puppeteers, and uh, we mentioned that. I mean, the um, the the last episode of Dinosaurs, and it it really it, it struck a chord in in people. Um, I think it was a terrific episode, and uh, I watched it recently, and uh, it, it was it was moving and. You know, I, I, it's it's if you want to say it's symbolic about the end of things, you can do that. Hmm. 
but it was uh, yes, and I and I did. I personally, I I caused the ice age. Yeah, I'll take full responsibility. Yeah, you you, you really should. But um, yeah, like, like you said, it was you know a fantastic Walden episode, and uh, I guess they just announced that it's going to be released on Disney Plus sometime at the end of the year. Oh great! Oh yeah. great! I love that. I hope I make a nickel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have you like have any like merchandise you know from the show? Oh, man, you know I, I no. I mm. mean, I think I used to have some McDonald's mini puppets, right. but I, but I don't. I have a t uh, a t shirt and a, maybe a sweatshirt, right. but I don't have any any big box merchandise. I never I never got into that. I never bought it. Maybe I was foolish, mm. but uh, no. The answer is no. I don't have anything. Worth stealing, if anybody's interested. Right, exactly. Steer clear from this house, absolutely. <laughs> just, just steer clear. Yeah. So, um, the recording process, did um, you record individually, or did like, the whole cast record in the room together? No, 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 no. In the beginning, first few episodes, but not much more than that, we all met one day a week, uh, sat around a table and read the script. But that, that, didn't last very long because there was no need for it because we all went in individually and and recorded uh, uh, our individual characters. Right. Uh, we never, I mean, it was literally individual. Nobody, even if you had scenes together, you you didn't do that. I mean, Fran, I mean, Jessica Walter did her thing and I did my thing and Sally struggled with her thing. Uh, so a- after those first few weeks, we uh, sadly never got a chance to, you know, to hang out together. Uh, you know, we did it maybe a little bit off, you know, off the set, but yeah, we just sat there in the, in a dark room hmm. and replaced the puppeteer's uh, scratch track. So they they shot the show first, right, and then you voiced it. Is that how they did it? Right, as yeah. opposed, to the difference between the like a cartoon is right. the voices go first, but in dinosaurs, the 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 action comes first, and then we have to match. Uh, the dialogue to the, the puppet, the mouse, uh, which was uh, sometimes difficult, sometimes frustrating. Um, but um, the, the show was so good and, and people enjoyed it so much that, uh, you know, over the three years that we did it, it was uh, it, it was gratifying to hear the reactions of people. Yeah, you know, people still talk about it to this day. I mean, it's luckily, you know, yeah, if I ever get to. When I get to thousands and thousands and thousands of autograph requests, um, uh, mostly, you know, if I get autograph requests, it usually revolves around dinosaurs. They send pictures, and I sign the pictures, and I send them back. But it's usually the vast majority is about dinosaurs. Right. Was there ever, um, like, I don't know, this would be a difficult question. I, I don't know if it's difficult, but like the, the show dealt with so many like you know topical themes that I, I still reign true to mm-hmm. you know to to this day. Was there ever like a pushback from the um, the network? No, I don't think so. Uh-huh. I, I I don't think so. If there was, it, it certainly didn't filter down to to the voice actors. Uh, but I think that uh, I think everybody accepted it. And, all those episodes, I assume, had to be cleared by the network anyway. So right. whatever you saw was approved, and uh, and given the blessing of the uh, of the network people. Yeah. So no, and there was no, there was no. Right. 
negative reaction to that stuff. Was there um... because it was it was done taste? Huh? Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I'm just saying it was done tastefully, and uh, and uh, uh, I mean, we always say it was a show that the adults can enjoy because of the content, and the kids can enjoy because of the because of the puppets. Right. But no, there was no there was no negative response to any of the shows that I can think of. Right. Did you ever get a chance to you know hang out on set and watch them film? Oh yeah, yeah, any number of times. Uh, we used to go down to the set and. Matter of fact, when my son was in school, there was a silent auction. One of the prizes that they let me do was to have a a, a visit to the set. So at least twice, um, you know, kids and their parents would come down to the set and we'd show them around. I, I used to show up once in a while. If I had a meeting uh, at, at the at the offices, I would walk over to the set, and it was a terrific set. It was, I mean, I put the head on once, and yeah. they showed me how the animatronics worked and. It was it was a magic thing. It was just it was a forest and trees and, and the set was raised so the puppeteers could go underneath and stick their hands up through the puppets and it, it, it was it was a cool set. I never worked on the set right. uh, as a voice actor, but uh, but those guys were uh, they did a great job and they're still you know we still keep in touch. Not, well, like we're Facebook friends, right? But I think those other guys keep in touch and most of the a lot of the writers have become very well known. Producers in their own right, Victor Fresco, Tim Doyle, uh, Bill Beretta, who was in Earl in the costume of Earl, is now um, a, a big part of the Henson Company. Okay, big producer. In like an age where everything gets rebooted and remade, are you surprised that the show hasn't been rebooted or remade yet? Uh, no, I mean there was always talk about it. People were always saying, "Let's do it again. Let's do it mm-hmm. again." And, it was the most expensive half hour at the, at the time, and maybe still the most expensive half hour television show to produce, and and very difficult because those animatronic puppets and the animatronic uh, workings and the machines and the servo motors and the puppets themselves were were very difficult to maintain. It cost a lot of money to maintain it, uh, and um, it was literally, so I'm told, the most expensive show at the time on on television. So. After uh, after the three years, um, I mean, despite the <laughs> literally uh, the, uh, the surge of people wanting to to have it do, do it again, right. um, it can't be. It can't be. I would do it in a second. Right. At, at least the show went out kind of like you know on your terms. You know the, the creator's terms, so you're able to close out the show rather than just being canceled and kind of leaving everyone hanging. Right, that that was the that's a problem with a lot of shows that get pulled, and uh, but not with dinosaurs. Dinosaurs had a really we went out good. Yeah. Now I want to like one of like I think one of your best guest starring spots, and I think it was kind of like the inspiration for uh, Newman on Seinfeld was Alex the Mailman on Barney Miller. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there have been parallels drawn. Uh, um, between those two characters, yeah, I mean, great, great. If that's the case, terrific. I, uh, I applaud it, and I just, uh, I wish they cast me on Seinfeld. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And that was like one of like, you know, Barney Miller was like probably one of the smartest sitcoms of 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 its time. Oh, it, it was great. I did at least at least two of them, maybe three, and mm-hmm. uh, and every one of them was uh, was tremendously fun to do, and and. The, the people were great. The actors were were skilled, and 
yeah, and the writing was great. It was great. It was a terrific show. How did you originally get into acting? Ah, well, I guess I always had the bug in the back of my head creeping around, you know, enjoying to perform as a kid for my family and, and hemming it up on, on stages at camp and stuff. But it was college. It was, uh, I, I actually was going to be a psychology major. But uh, when the call came out, casting call came out for the first play at, at uh, my college, and I went across that dark campus to the to wasn't even a theater. It was a, at the time it was a room with a stage. I I, I was bit. I, I I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And then then the college Dickinson College opened up a new brand new theater in the uh, in a uh, student union building. And we did, uh, um, oh, God, God help me, uh, Emily and Emily and uh, George, Our Town, okay. did Our Town. And that was the first show I did, and I, I, I was hooked. I was hooked after that. And my teacher, Dave Brubaker, who I uh, fell in love with and was my friend until he died, uh, was so inspiring and it just kept me going and going and going and after that first play I knew I wanted to be an actor. Was it theater that you, you were kind of drawn to or you wanted to be in like TVs and movies? No, no, no. In those days uh, when I was a young a teenager the theater was it. That's that's what you wanted to do. I mean, and I through, through the, the mid-2000s I mean, I, I still continued to do theater. Um, it was theater that got me to California. I, was, I did the original New York production of uh, Joseph E. Maiden at Color Green Coat. Somebody saw me and, uh, and submitted me for a role in uh, San Pedro Bums, San Pedro Beach Bums, which was Aaron Spelling's first and last attempt at <laughs> hour-long comedy. Right. And uh, the, old, the old saw that goes through my mind is that when you're in theater, when you're older, because you don't make a lot of money in theater, you want to know how to get to California. When you get out to California... And if you work a while, you're just desperate to get back to theater. Right. But I was lucky enough to be able to do, you know, theater back east and uh, and in California during my during my days here. So that was great. Yeah, theater is. Uh, if you ask most actors what their soul theater is, where they want to be. Right. I guess you were like one of the lucky ones where you came out to California and actually having a job, right? Right, right. Some people come out and not have a job, and are sometimes they're successful, sometimes not. But yeah, it was. Uh, it, if you want to come out here, having a job is the way to do it. Uh, one of the movies that was on HBO all the time when I was younger was uh, Scavenger Hunt. <laughs> you know, you had like you mm -hmm. know a memorable role in there. Um, and that movie has such a fantastic cast. I mean, uh, Levon Little and um, Tony Randall, obviously, and Dirk Benedict, and you know. Willie Ames and yourself. Um, it had everybody. It had everybody. Too. It had everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Basically, you know, Hollywood. Cannibal yeah, Run some, before some Cannibal people. Run. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a... People, people, that's another cult movie. I'm in a couple of cult movies. Yeah. Scavenger Hunt and uh, Hollywood Nineteen. Right. People just enjoy that movie. I have a, a, a good friend... Um, married to a good friend who is who is obsessed with scavenger hunt, and it's hard to get nowadays. Apparently, you can't. I don't know if you can get a DVD or a VHS even. But uh, yeah, that every my friends used to say it. The Hollywood Squares was in that movie. Every actor, you know, 
in the world, and some actors that you wouldn't think, like Robert Morley and Roddy Roddy McDowell. Yeah. There, there's some Clark Leishman. There's some great Richard Benjamin. I mean, the the list goes on. It was really fun. Yeah, George Eames. I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, not George. Yeah, Richard Mulligan. I always get those two confused. Um, Richard Mulligan. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and you mentioned Hollywood Squares, and um, you've done a couple game shows. What, what are those like? Uh, great. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're a whole separate animal. Right. I mean, I did a bunch of Hollywood Squares, and I did a bunch of pyramids, yeah. which was the hardest thing to do. I mean, that was. I, that wasn't fun. You, you didn't have fun when you were doing the pyramid because the pressure is, was right. always on. You're always fighting the clock and you're always looking across the desk at some guy or girl who needs who needed the money. It'd be nice to get it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I've done, actually, as I think about it now, I've done a lot of game shows and game show pilots. But they're a whole other animal. I mean, you sort of get that because people know you. So yeah. you got to kind of have established yourself in the business before they ask you to go on. So it's nice to be recognized. I mean, if you're on a game show, it means that, well, somebody's watching you. <laughs> somebody's acknowledging you. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're fun. Yeah. Was there ever a pyramid, like the contestant you worked with, that you just, like, emptied the tank and you, the person just, I don't want to say it was dumb, because that, that's not fair, but, like, you know, just not, you know, getting it and not being in tune with you. You just wanted to just, like, shake them. Well, <laughs> first of all, yeah, I, 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 I don't remember me having that. I remember years ago, my wife was on Pyramid okay. in New York. And I'm not going to mention the celebrities, but she had two of the dumbest celebrities right. you know, ever. And that was a problem. That <clears throat> that was They weren't contestants. They were celebrities. Yeah. Joy was a, was a contestant. But that was so frustrating. I mean, she had so much time. To get to the last one and made, I, I think she made twenty thousand dollars, which you know, I mean, it's not bad now, but in those days, of course, yeah, when you're you know struggling actor in, in New York, it's nah. But that those, I, I won't forget those two people, and uh, I won't curse them, I won't hate them, <laughs> I'll just never forget them. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I've you know, I've used to be a huge game show fan back, you know, when I was growing up, and I remember. Some of the episodes, and I remember one you were in, and you were just like on fire, and the person you were working with was in tune. So it's it's good when you get a good balance like that. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's great. As a matter of fact, I remember, as you mentioned, it's some contestant. I think I I worked with him, and then the the other celebrity did, and he actually became a part of the pyramid uh, uh, production company. I mean, he got a job. Oh wow! He was so good at it. Right. Yeah, I don't remember his name, but I remember I remember that happened, and we all felt very good for him. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a shame like the downfall of game shows because there really aren't that. I mean, there's Hollywood, uh, there's Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, but that's that's really it these days. And it, you know, it's, well, I mean, it's you know, Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune. You also get now you get these competition right. shows, and yeah, celebrity-driven shows that are that are. Um, I mean, I have fr- I I mean, I I actually have friends who. Help produce the new password, or mm-hmm. I don't even know what's on anymore. Right. I don't even know the pyramids on anymore. But I think nowadays people want—they <laughs> don't necessarily go down and sit sit down and watch people, you know, guess words. They want to see people fall into vats of steaming oatmeal. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, if, if that's what they want, that's what they get. Yeah, like like my son and I are watching a show. It's called Ultimate Tag. So basically, it's a game of tag, and you know, it's. 
there's a kind of a wrestling feel to it to the characters that are built up as like wrestlers and it's like you chasing people and you win ten thousand dollars so i mean it's like anyone can come up with half a brain of an idea it'll get on tv <laughs> that's right yeah. that's right and as long as people watch it they'll exactly. keep producing it yeah yeah that, that's for sure uh, i i about two years ago, I had Greg Evigan on. I know you did a couple of BJ's in the Bears. <laughs> I did, yeah, I did one BJ in the Bears. Okay, yeah. You, was there ever like a... I love that monkey. Yeah, yeah and you've worked with a lot of animals. You should be a Congo, you know. I've worked with some animals, yeah. Yeah, yeah. horses and deer and monkeys. Right. Oh, and my. Dinosaurs, yeah. <laughs> dinosaurs, yeah. Yeah. Work with those. Yeah. Uh, well, like... You've done so many guest starring spots. Which one was like the most memorable? Not because of the show, but just just the experience. Well, that's a tough question. I mean, I, there was never a show that I did that I said, "Oh, gee, I wish I didn't do it." There were some shows that I had very small parts in, and right. and don't don't you know once they're they're over, they're over. But it's a guest part. Oh well, I'll tell you what what it was. It was working with. Um, John Ritter in Three's Crowd. Crowd. It was yeah. a spin-off, Three's spin-off to Three's Company. That was that was great. That was that was. I mean, I became John and I became friends over right. that, and uh, and it was a terrific part. And they were, uh, you know, they let John and, uh, and me do what that we wanted to do. And he is absolutely or was absolutely one of the funniest human beings on the planet. And uh, it was a great experience. That that was a memorable guest part for me. Another guest part when I was younger was one of the few drama things that they I did was on House Calls with Wayne Rogers okay. and Lynn Redgrave. And I played a, a, a sort of a mentally off-balance guy who ends up strapping dynamite to himself. And it was a dramatic role, so I remember that because I don't get a lot of those in television or movies. I get them on stage when I get it, you know, but, but those, those, that, those were memorable, those two especially. Right, and then they did a couple, like, you know, the, of the evening, you know, soap operas too, Knots Landing and um, Falcon Crest. So that was oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Knots Landing and, uh, and uh, what the hell was the other one? Falcon Crest. Yeah. There's a few of those nighttime soap operas. Yeah, everything's great. It's all good. I mean, people when, not you, but when people interview you, we had an interview for Not Necessarily News with uh, TV Guide, and everybody was so nice. They actually called everybody back and said, isn't there something nasty or, or negative you want to say about somebody? And we said, no. no. <laughs> you know, most of the things that, that, that I've done in this business have been tremendously positive. Yeah, because like, you mentioned, you know, John Ritter and you know, Three's Company is probably one of my all-time favorite sitcoms. That, that show was just it was fantastic. Say that again. You, you mentioned working with John Ritter, and uh, you know, Three's Company was one of my all-time favorite sitcoms. And another fantastic one was Nightcore. Oh, it's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he's great. I worked with John three times. I did two Hoopermans and right. uh, and Three's a Crowd, and uh, all of it was you know spectacular. One of the jobs I got. I knew John, and I was driving around Fox, the Fox lot, and he saw me, and we said hello. We chit-chatted, and he said, oh, you know, I'm going to bring you up for the part that's coming up, and I got the job because of him. So oh, wow. He swelled. He swelled. He was a swell man. Yeah. It was such a shame when he passed. It really was. 
It was terrible. Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah. But um, you know, uh, Night Court was another one of my favorites, and you had a, a few roles on Night that. Night Court was great. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did about two or three of those. Right. Got to meet Harry Anderson, and through him, Mel Torme, who's one of my favorites. Right. And Larroquette, we did Larroquette, and I ended up doing a movie together called Second Sight right. uh, a few years later. You know, it's all, you know, you work, you get work, you, you meet people. Yeah. It's all good. Right. And, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, all, right. and you don't want to badmouth people, and w which that makes you, you know, a good person, because you, you keep getting work as a result of that. Well, as long as you don't, uh, well, piss a lot of people off, yeah. you could probably have a fair amount of longevity in this business if you if you can do the work. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, I, probably the first time I saw you was not necessarily the news. Um, I think I was. I don't want to, you know, make you feel old. I think it was eight. I was eight years old when it came on, and uh, I yes, I just got. Oh, the hell with you! Now. I know, right? Goodbye. <laughs> So I just had Goodbye. yeah I just got HBO and it was you know something different and I don't know if I was obviously the target audience but I I, I was kind of drawn to it uh, you know the, the you know the news uh, room feel and like one of my all time favorite skits of yours was when uh, you were doing the news as Bob Charles of course and uh, the cameras kept changing and you had to just follow them all along and uh, one of my very first oh yeah thank you yeah and one of my very first you know that's jobs, very interesting. Uh, That's interesting you mention that because year, year later, years later, I did a, a short-lived series with Eric Idle. Oh, Nearly Departed. And uh, he, he, it was called, what is it? Nearly Departed. And he mentioned that particular sketch as being the perfect, a perfect um, uh, sketch right. for our show. And so it's interesting that you mention it because, uh, and a lot of people do, it was one of the early, early shows that we did. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, most of that stuff on Not the News was was fun to do. I mean, we had six years of really nice times, and we still, you know, a bunch of us are still very friendly. Right, uh, that's great. Like one of my early uh, jobs, and because I'm, I, I work in television, like you know, about behind the scenes. So one of my very first shows uh, or jobs, I should say, was being a uh, stage manager. So obviously, I had to cue the the talent to which cameras. So when I first got the job. Your clip immediately came into my head. I'm like, I'm not gonna have that happen to <laughs> my talent the way they, they did that to you. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad I could help you. Yeah, exactly. So I'll, I'll I'll send you a little bit of my paycheck from my from that as a result. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that show, I mean, like being on HBO, you know, because now there's really no ratings. I mean, no filter. That was a clean show for HBO. Mm. Oh, well, that's one of the things that, that most of us took pride in, that we had the option to be blue, to, to, to talk dirty, or to, to, to show, you know, unpleasant pictures, and we didn't. Right. We, we made, I mean, the producers made, and we were, we were certainly all happy that we worked clean. We worked, uh, we didn't we didn't need to pander to that particular part of the audience that would, would tune in to watch that. We had, you know, plenty of people watching it, but... You know, we're appreciated that we uh, we stayed uh, high on the hill. Was there ever um, any feedback from the Reagan administration? You know, I don't think so. Right. I think that question was raised during the uh, the eighties when we were doing the show, and, and I, I don't I don't think so. I'm, I could swear to it, but uh, like I said, 
some of the stuff that came to the producers didn't filter down to the actors. Did you have a particular like favorite sketch that you did? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. Okay. The answer is no. If if I went through, if I went through, you know, the the, the sixty shows we did, you know, I could probably pull out a few. But I, I to be honest with you, I just don't remember. I, I just don't remember. They were. It was so nice working with these with the people, Danny Breen and Annie Bloom and Mitch Lawrence and Audrey It was uh, and uh, Lucy Webb. It was all it was all great, you know. And uh, now you got me curious. Now I got to look through the <laughs> the index and find out if I like this, if I really like this sketch better than one better than the other one. I, right now I can't think of anything. I think they. You know, nothing, nothing really sticks out. I remember them, right? But I can't say, oh, I like that one. And then when I think yeah. of another one, I says, oh, I like that one. You know, so no, and there's not. It's like they're all my children. I love of them course. all equally. Yeah. <laughs> now it's because it's it's not on anywhere to watch. I figured maybe it'd be on HBO Max now or something like that. I think they just show clips on YouTube. Um, what, what's the reasoning? Well, YouTube know? is the only place you can you can find it. Yeah. Do you, do you happen right to know now. why it's not like on any of the sites or even on HBO? Well, yeah, I mean, I think because of the Writers Guild contract, which is a terrific union, we had a lot of writers coming in and out of that show. And if you played one of the shows, repeated it, they would have to pay all the writers. Right, okay. I think that's what I heard. And that would, according to, to obviously, producers would be prohibitive. I, I mean, I get a lot of questions like, why isn't that show now? That show is being done now, blah, 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 blah. And it's all true. It would be, it would be terrific to do a show like that now. But not the news. You can get clips, like I said, on YouTube. You, right. know, you can get whole episodes on YouTube. Um, but uh, as far as getting out to the general public, uh, I think it would cost too much money for various uh, contractual and union contracts to uh, to be able to do that. So that ain't going to happen. Yeah, no, that's that's unfortunate. But I mean, like like I said, you watch on YouTube, and you know, it's, the show still makes you laugh after. Uh, all these years and so it's uh, oh yeah it's a yeah. funny funny show how did how did you get uh cast in it oh that that actually is a long story i <laughs> i did a uh i did this san pedro beast right. that i mentioned and michael jacobs was auditioning as an actor for that show and later uh, I, I he cast me in a show called no Soap Radio, which lasted about five episodes, and one of the co-writers was Ron Richards. So I, I ran into Ron Richards once at a, at, a, at a function, and Ron said, you know, one of our actors is leaving, you want to audition? And I said, yeah. Uh, and I went in and I auditioned, I got the part. And uh, I, I, it was almost, I regretted it after a few months because it was down and dirty. I mean, you know, our first dressing room was the, the, the men's room in the Shell Station in Simi mm -hmm. Valley. Uh, literally, and there's no dressing room. Women, the girls were dressing, you know, ducking behind the doors of their cars to change clothes. It was really down and dirty. And then it started to get better, you know. And then it just it sort of took off, and the dressing, the, the trailer came. One, one, one trailer, one Winnebago for uh, makeup, hair, costumes, actors, everybody. But at least it was something. I mean, I remember the first one of the first nights we, I was called at five o'clock in the morning to a location. We quit at twelve. They called us back at 5 o'clock the next morning, uh, and we quit at 12 and the next morning, and I said to the producer, I can't do this. I, I just can't do this. Uh, 
then things started to get better. Pat Lee and, and John Moffat, they were very receptive to our, uh, to our, I'm not going to say demands, but uh, to our uh, problems. Yeah. And they and things and things started to get better. And especially when the show started to be uh, be nominated for awards and. I mean, I'm proud to say I think Not the News won won awards for every category: producing, directing, acting. BAFTA won a Canadian award. Mm -hmm. uh, it was, you know, it was very proud. We were all proud to be associated with it. Right, and you, you mentioned all the right. I mean, there Conan O'Brien, Greg Daniels, um, this and you know Al, Al Jean and Mike Reed. I didn't know Greg Daniels was in it. Yeah, he, Greg Daniels was one of our writers. Yeah. He did, he wow. did, he did a few. I know Conan was. Yeah, Conan. Um, I, th I think even Damon Way Wayans wrote an episode. I don't remember any of these guys. Yeah. Conan, I remember. I remember Conan O'Brien. Right. And uh, whatever happened to him? I, 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 I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a shame because, you know, he had so, so much talent. He's a kid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, he, he was okay. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. But there were tons of writers that went through that show. Right. Matt, uh, uh, Matt Newman was the head writer, and he stayed with us through the whole thing. Right. And Lane Saris and Larry Arnstein and uh, and uh, David Hurwitz were, were major writers. We actually did a did a, a project together called Hump, musical comedy of Richard III. So <laughs> that was fun. Right. And uh, and Rich Hall, I think, wrote a lot of them too. Right. Rich Hall did all the singlets and did bits. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that was probably the uh, the biggest takeaway from the show, right? Yeah, a lot of people. Uh, I think Rich wrote a book. Ron Richards was also very very instrumental in doing Sniglets. I don't think he gets enough credit, but he was. And I think there was a Sniglet book and Sniglet this and Sniglet that. Yeah, people certainly still remember Sniglets. Yeah, very clever idea. Right? No, absolutely. Um, so, and you've done you know some movie you know drama as well. Uh, Fatal Attraction. Uh, do you prefer comedy over the drama? I mean, I know now you've kind of done a lot more comedy, but well, that's right. I mean, I've done, most of my life uh, uh, I've done comedy on uh, on stage and in, in film. Uh, I don't necessarily see once you get pigeonholed in the in the type in California and Hollywood, you you sort of you sort of stay that way. Right. Like I said, most of the drama that I've done and I enjoy doing is, has been on stage yeah. back east in the theater that uh, my wife and I work. And uh, then we do different things. But here, I, I mean, yeah, I like comedy. I, I, I like it. It's much Comedy is much more satisfying on the stage because you get that feedback. You can work with an audience. You do comedy on television, you never know when they're going to stick a laugh track in. You never know if the jokes are going to work. Sometimes... If it's a film show, they'll actually, if it's a comedy, they'll actually say, say a line and pause because we'll put a laugh track in. You know, that's, so that's, <laughs> that's problematic in, right. in, in some instances. Has there but ever, I love doing comedy. Right. I mean, not, no, you, you're fantastic at it. But has there ever been, um, like, a finished product that you sit down and watch and you just, you just don't think it's funny? Mm, no. Okay. No. Um, no, the answer is no. Uh, I think there, there are things that every actor, if he watches his stuff, would like to change. But no, as far as not being funny, I think we set out and we started out to make it funny. It usually ended up funny, right. you know, with with 
with me and whoever else was in it. It's not just me. It's, you know. But no, the answer is no. I, I never saw something. I said, oh, I'm so disappointed in that, or oh, I wish that I didn't do that, or blah, blah, blah. No. Yeah. It's all, it's like I say, you know, it's all good. Right. When you're home flipping through the channels and one of your shows comes on, which I'm sure it happens on a regular basis, can you actually sit down and watch yourself? Me personally? Yeah. Um, I, re- I, I don't, I rarely watch anything like the whole thing. If, if something comes on, um, I'll watch a little bit of it and then I'll, then I'll <laughs> say to myself, yeah, I remember that and then turn it off. Um, I try to get my kids to see, uh, to see most of, most of my work, because uh, I love their opinions of it, if nothing else. But I don't think I, I, if I see like Fatal Attractions on, I'm not going to sit down and watch Fatal Attraction or, you know, Second Sight or whatever. I'm right. not going to sit down and watch, and watch that. I'll watch bits and pieces if yeah. I happen to come across it. And, and you mentioned Second Sight. I remember seeing that when it came out. Um, what, like, why do you think it, it didn't like translate well to the viewers? <laughs> well, it was a difficult time. It was during the writer's strike. Okay. And the same guy, I forget his name, who wrote Dead Poet Society, wonderful writer, wrote this script. And it was a pretty good script. And then the writer's strike happened. So the writer wasn't there to make changes as needed. So it, it left it up to the production people. To, uh, to to change and change things around and make things work and, and to be honest with you they it wasn't that successful so the script was not as good as I remember the original script was very good the script that ended up on screen was not as good and uh, because we didn't have that writer there to, uh, to to make the changes to polish the, the you know the, to polish the words and make, make it better so that's one of the reasons that I think it, it it wasn't a tremendously successful movie. It was a silly movie. Yeah. I mean, was it also because, like, you know, you had Ronson Pinchot and you also had John Larroquette and yourself, that at that time you really guys weren't in, like, big movie stars to carry the movie, maybe? Uh, oh, no, no, no. No, I was... Uh, uh, Ronson had done TV. Larroquette was, was done a lot of TV. Right. I uh, I got in the movie because Bernie Grossman, who was my manager, became president of Lorimar, and they needed a third guy, and he put me in that movie. Okay. I'm extremely grateful that he did. Right. Um, uh, but no, a movie star, no. I mean, there, there were no movie stars. There were a lot of great character actors. Oh, no, of course, it. yeah. You know, Johnny, Sh- John Shuck was in it, and uh, Bess Armstrong was in it. I mean, a lot of good actors, but it just, it just didn't, you know, click with, right. the, with the people, I guess. Yeah, and the great James Tolkien was in it as well. <laughs> James Tolkien was in there. Yeah, I worked on stage with him years ago in England. Right. Yeah, a lot of a lot of wonderful people. Yeah, that was also, I guess, the time where you know, if, if you're on TV, you don't really go ahead and become movie stars. It was it was very very rare. In those days, point. probably it was harder. Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, it's, nowadays it's it's easier. Like a guy like Ray Romano can go jump from TV to to start to starring roles in movies. It's easier now, I think. In those days, you were kind of pigeonholed a little bit. Yeah. Um, and you know, and when times were hard, they always used to say that movie stars would do television, television stars did commercials, and commercial mm-hmm. actors would wait tables. I mean, that was <laughs> a, that was that was the joke. Um, yeah, but it was hard in those days, in the 70s, I guess, the 80s, to, to maybe jump from television to movies. Now I think, like I said, it's easier. Yeah. And also I think because maybe, like, 
you know, uh, seasons are shorter, you know, due to the streaming sites, they're usually 13 episodes, and they're kind of self-contained, and so I think they attract more people and bigger names, because they know it's going right. to be kind of like a one-off season. Right, right, right. So then, um, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, not wanting to, or not being in the Seinfeld, but you did the next next thing with Kirby Enthusiasm, uh, which was a fantastic role. Uh, how, how did you get that? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I auditioned for it. I went in and auditioned for it, and uh, and happily I got it. It was a, it's a great job for an actor because you don't have to learn lines, you just make stuff up. Right. <laughs> was was that difficult or was that just kind of pretty easy for you to do? Well, at the back, yeah, I, it was pretty easy. I mean, I think like if you're used to to comedy and and improvisation, I'm. I never did improv as a profession, but I certainly I'm familiar with it and was good enough at it to be able to, you know, to lock horns with, with Larry and uh, mm. and come up with stuff. And he always told you what he wanted to say, what the important things to get across right. were. So you were always guided by him and the director. It was great. I, I know they just renewed it for yet another season. Yeah, thank God. Um, you think you would uh, get another role on that show? No, Bastard mm -hmm. won't cast me. <laughs> I mean, it would be great if he did. Yeah. Uh, but uh, th that hasn't happened. There were two seasons after I did mine, right. at least two. And I've, I've never done another one. I would love to. I would love to. He, he, he lives near me, and if I ever see him, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat the crap out of him. <laughs> I got your back, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I... I has um, dinosaurs? Did that kind of give you a little bit of a uh, voiceover career? Yes. Hmm. Oh yeah, doing dinosaurs was a big boost because with Disney and Disney was doing a lot of uh, voiceover stuff. And in, the, in these days, before stuff went to Canada, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I got to know the casting, the voice casting guy in uh, at Disney and ABC, and. Uh, and yeah, I did a bunch of voiceover stuff because of dinosaurs. It was a, it was very very fortunate and very uh, I appreciated it a great deal that they put me in these shows because it's kind of like a close knit group, right? I mean, you could probably have the same amount uh -huh. of actors do every show. Yeah, you know, there's there's a handful, maybe two handfuls of, of guys who are great, and I know a great many of them: uh, Rob Paulson, Louise Lamarche. Yeah. Charlie Adler, uh, Jim Cummings. I mean, I and I've worked and, and know these guys. They're great, and they and they go to these guys because they know they can they can count on them. Um, and in the old days, they knew they could count on me. But now there's not there's not that much going on. Right. So the uh, I think the handful has dwindled down to a handful, and these guys continue to work all the time. Did you have it's a great job to have? Right. I bet. Yeah. Go go to work in your uh, pajamas and bathrobe. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah. did, I didn't do that. Right. But it's certainly it's certainly nice to just be able to get out of bed and brush your teeth, wash your face, and, and get and go to work. Right. Has the pandemic, like, were you working on anything that forced uh, no. to be shut down? No, nothing? Okay. No, I had, no, I had finished some, uh, uh, some independent movies that friends uh, cast me in, and, but th those were done just okay. before the, the pandemic hit. Uh, actually, I, 
a nice project. I, I the last thing I did before this thing hit was with uh, Marriott Hartley and Jerry Soroka wrote a movie uh, about Marriott, uh, sort of a semi-autobiographical movie about their life. And that was the last thing I did just before the pandemic hit, and I'm so happy I had a chance to to get that in the can. Right. That's great. Do you have anything coming up or now? Right now. No, just those movies. Um, there's, you know, there's nothing that they have to edit these things together. Right. There's a movie I did called Deep in the Forest, which they're editing. It's in editing now. Marriott and Jerry's movie are being edited now. I mean, those are the those are the things that uh, that are coming out for me. And, uh, and I continue to try to do voiceovers. I audition for voiceovers, and someday that'll happen. Maybe, maybe not. But you know, I can die a happy guy. I mean, you've had a fantastic career. I mean, you've made people, you know, laugh and smile uh, for years now. And uh, I'm definitely one of those people. And Stuart, this was fantastic. Uh, I appreciate your time tonight. Oh, it's a pleasure. It was really nice talking to you. Yes, and good questions. Not everybody does. <laughs> And a special thanks to Stuart for joining me today. And if you haven't watched Not Necessarily the News in a while, I know it's not on any streaming sites or anything like on HBO. Full episodes are on YouTube. Check them out. They're just as funny now as they were back then. And if you have a guest suggestion, hit me up on Twitter at thepersonal 19 or like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes. Check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. If you don't have iTunes, not a problem. Shows on SoundCloud or it's also on Podbean. And go to livingmyyouth.threadless.com for all your merchandise. Stay safe, everybody. We'll see you next week.